How do you guys like all four go about being a part of it all? Well, there's actually only three of us, not four of us. Same thing. (laughs) Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Burn Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and we've got Ryan here today. We've also got some fellows from BreakingBourbon.com, but before we introduce them, you know, Ryan, have you checked out, there was a, something that came out this past week. And there was yet another E.H. Taylor release that's going to be called Four Grain. Did you see that come out? I did not. I'd, I'd seen the release calendar where there was going to be an OFC in the season wood this year. and Because uh, of Cured Oak last year, everybody's going to be hyped about the E.H. Taylor releases. But I, I did not see and I do not know much about it. What's going on with it? Well, so this is something and it's something that, of course, anything that hits the market, it's, it's automatic news on Twitter and all the groups and everything like that. And everybody gives up in arms. But, you know, I, I kind of look at this and, and I think, it, well, first it's called four grain. I, I saw somebody made a pretty funny comment. They're like, I guess it's corn, rye, wheat, and maybe quinoa or something like that. Like, what's, the, <laughs> yeah. what's other grain? Um, but, you know, they said, you know, is this going to be a, a dilution of the Taylor legacy? Because if you think about this, Buffalo Trace, you know, we've had, we've had Harlan on the show before. There's so many of these experimental releases or these experimental things that they're doing and they need, they need a label to put underneath, right? And I haven't seen a whole lot of the Buffalo Trace experimental collections come out. And so maybe they're just looking at a way to kind of hype up sales by putting underneath the E.H. Taylor train. Yeah, I kind of wish they would leave that uh, label alone and just keep it what it is. Uh, I was fine with the Cured Oak, I guess, because it's probably my in my top three bourbons. But the Season Wood, I had a little taste of and wasn't a big fan. But I, I, I don't like how they're experimenting with this label just because – Everything I've had of E.H. Taylor has been pretty solid, you know, so it's just 
kind of weird. I wish they'd keep it under the experimental collection label. Yeah, I think I could do with like maybe one new label a year, but I mean, yeah, like one release a year. But when they're starting to do three or four, then it's like you know they're just just playing us. Yeah, so it's just all about the hype train, right? So, exactly. Yeah, so it's a good lead into our, our our guest today. So today we have Jordan, Eric, and Nick. These three gentlemen are the authors to BreakingBourbon.com. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Hi, guys. Good. So we're gonna, this has to be the most people on the podcast we've ever done. Before. Oh, exactly. We're trying to do five all over Skype, so we're we're gonna try to try our best here. So I guess uh, real quick. So I'll I'll go first. I'll start with you, Jordan. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about you know your story and how you got into bourbon. Sure, sounds good. You know, I'm sure like many people started off in college not really knowing what was going on. We had a bottle of Fighting Cock between me and my roommates. Definitely a rough next morning. Then more seriously, when I moved to Louisville after college many years ago, I, um, you know, like most places, bourbon and Diet Cokes were cheaper than beers in the bar. So you just started doing that. And then slowly the Coke got weaned off. And then it was a lot of ice and that got weaned off. And, you know, before I knew it, it was just Makers or Woodford most of the time. And then slowly started expanding out, you know, a bottle of Basil Hayden, getting into Booker's. And it was just, it just went from there and just a slow, slow love and affinity for it that grew from it. It seems like a common tale between amongst all of us, right? <laughs> Definitely. It's the same progression for everyone. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, Eric and Nick, yourselves? So, uh, this is Nick here. So, you know, my my story, again, kind of similar to Jordan's there. You know, you, you certainly, you know, I certainly had had it, but never, you know, recognized it for what it was, so to speak. And, uh, in fact, it was uh, Jordan's time in uh, Louisville, Kentucky that, uh, you know, of course, went in Rome you know, inspired, you know, trip to Maker's Mark, you know, and then flights of, of bourbon or doing a flight of, of turkeys, which was uh, four different wild turkeys, uh, you know, in a bar. And then, in fact, uh, probably the first, maybe one of the first bourbon hunts, if you want to call it that, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, of course, at a time when, you know, you could probably pick up Pappy on the shelf and, and quite frankly, didn't know didn't know what Pappy was, but, uh, you know, then kind of, they kind of went from there, you know, he went from having a bottle, you know, in the cabinet, you know, to, uh, you know, to a few, and of course get into that, you know, later on as that progressed, but, uh, how I met bourbon. And I had a similar story too. I mean, it was all Jordan living in Louisville, you know, they kind of introduced us from up, you know, in upstate New York around bourbons. It's not part of, you know, society so much. So up, up here, so it was the the many, many visits to Jordan down there that, you know, every bar has it, every restaurant has it. You have flights, you have these options, you have liquor stores that have large selections, you know, unlike anything we get up kind of up here. And that has changed over the years. But definitely at the time, we just we had more experience, you know, exposure to it, really. So the, the spark was ignited. And how did how did that lead into you all coming together and wanting to to start a website? So kind of kind of talk about the uh, the fascination and how that grew to the point where you said, okay, I think we could we could have some fun with this and start blogging and making articles and and so on and so forth. Yeah. So you know, actually, the the story starts you know maybe well before that is you know the three of us. Uh, uh, grew up together in Rochester, New York, uh, you know, goes as far back as, as memory serves me. I'm going to guess the second grade, uh, since we've been friends, but, uh, 
you know, from that point, you know, this was after after college that uh, Jordan was in Louisville and, uh, you know, really put bourbon on, on the radar, so to speak. And, you know, seeing each other only maybe a couple times a year, you know, that had kind of a snowball effect where, you know, it went from recognition of bourbon to, you know, well, let's let's buy some new bourbons. Let's bring some bourbons. You know, let's try some different bourbons every time we get together. Uh, we had we had a get together, and uh, Eric was living in Rochester still at that time, Rochester, New York. And uh, we, we were getting together for the weekend, and we said, "Hey, let's kind of do like an official, you know, bourbon tasting." Buy Glencairn glasses, and and really, you know, take some notes and and have get a little more in depth with it. So we probably bought way too many bottles, you know, leading up to that. I'm going to say we each. You know, brought maybe 15 bottles uh, to the to the table that weekend. I don't think we got through all of them. I want to say we maybe got through like 30, 35 of them at best. But um, from that point, bourbon became more of an everyday discussion. You know, and we started this this Google Hangout at that point and realized, you know, what we're we're talking about bourbon every day. We're starting to look for different bourbons. We never really been on our minds that that much before and so a few months later you know the idea came up why, why not start, start a website you know or a blog so around nine months or so of planning you know tweaking you know trying to get the design to look to feel the way we wanted and uh you know the layout the way we wanted we went through around 10 iterations of of kind of what breaking bourbon could have looked like until we landed on you know the basic concept and layout that you see today you know, aside from, from aside from some minor tweaks over the past few years, you know, that concept has remained about the same, you know, and so now we're at two years and, and bourbon has become very much a daily part of our lives. And, and it's just uh, it's just been wonderful, you know, to, and, and enjoyable to, uh, you know, to kind of grow with that and, and, and you know, experience that. So I guess a good question for you, because, you know, I started a blog at one point in my life back in the uh, my, my tech career. So what was the what was your first article? I'm sorry I didn't look back and kind of kind of look at it, but what was your kind of like hello world in regards to your blog? It's really interesting. It's so we kind of planned it, right? We wanted to seed the site a little bit. So in order to get the site up and running, we actually had I want to say around 20 reviews that we had fully established and well vetted between the three of us before we launched it. And then it wasn't it wasn't until a few months later that we actually started doing articles on the website. And, and one of the earliest ones was probably next bourbon storage experiment. Right. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think uh sure. one of the one of the things that I really like is uh all the reviews you have, right? Because uh how many reviews have you all done now? Because it's been a lot. You know, I think we're encroaching. We passed our 100th review, and I think we're coming up on about 120, 125 so far. So so with all these, I mean, you guys are going out and you're buying a lot of these bottles, right? So at least at least it's spread amongst three of you. I couldn't imagine like one person having to go out and buy all these different bottles just to be able to have a sip out of it, right? Nice write-off. It's kind of where the site, it, you know, kind of came from too, we like to joke about, because it kind of – it. Uh, it justified buying these bottles from our wife. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> now we're buying bottles so we can write about them and because people like to read about it. So we had, and we had readers. So, it, you know, it, it smoothed it over to a degree. But, you know, of course, not completely. Right. We, we'll try to make up any excuse we can to try to get past on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess a good question for you all, because one thing is, I, you know, I've showed pictures of my bar before and I am a, a diehard Kentucky. I would say 99% of the bottles that I have all come from the great state of Kentucky. But, you know, when I look at your all's reviews, like it's it's hard to find a hundred different bottles, even from the state of Kentucky. So kind of give us a, 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 at least some of the readers, like a, a good glowing difference of what would, what's a, what's a, 
something that's very different that you would find from Kentucky versus something that's from out of state that you would get. I mean, I'm looking at the website right at the front of me, something that's like a, a barrel versus a hill haven versus something like that. Yeah, sure. So this is Jordan. I think one of the um one of the benefits that we have is, you know, we do we do a lot of reviews both in bourbon from Kentucky. And then thankfully my job really allows me to travel all over the place. So I've been able to get a lot of small small distilleries, um, you know, in different states and get a lot of their bottles and, and really try them out. And it's always interesting. I mean, clearly what Kentucky has going for is age and stock, right? A lot of these small upstart distilleries, and we've seen some good ones. We've definitely seen some bad ones, but it all comes down to they just don't have the age or the stock to go through to come out with some of their releases. Um, but it is really interesting to see the different grains or different regions of the country and how aging affects affects the product they're putting out. Me, Nick, and Eric all have a lot of fun with looking at different bourbons, you know, especially ones that are outside of Kentucky. So let's let's take Smooth Ambler out of this because they have a pretty good array of stocks. So if you had to choose a state or a different bourbon or whiskey outside of the state of Kentucky, what are you going to go with is something that ranks up towards the top for you? One in particular that, uh, you know, that you know, the question broke up a little bit, but I think you're looking for one that, that jumps out is um, the uh, Hill Rock Estate uh, Solera Age Bourbon. Now, granted, you know, some of that was 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 sourced, but, um, you know, that just has uh, just this layered depth to it. And, and that is one that we reviewed recently that, um, you know, it is just really delicate and, and has a lot going on. It's very subtle with what, what it has going on. It's, it's not a cheap bourbon by any means. It's around 90 bucks. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one that stands out. And it, it's always a treat to have that one. Of course, it's not a treat to pay for it, but that's uh, <laughs> what it is. There's another really interesting one for folks, uh, you know, something you don't see a lot, but uh, one of the distilleries we toured, Catskill Distilling Company um, in New York State, has a buckwheat whiskey. And it's one of only a few buckwheat whiskeys, at least that, that, that I've heard about, that's made anywhere. And they use the buckwheat grain has kind of a different earthy, you know, taste to it, but, but it's something you can't get, you know, anywhere else, or you don't really see anywhere else. I was about to say, that's the new one for me, Ryan. Yeah. I'm reading about this big bottom small batch. That looks pretty interesting. And it's got one of your highest reviews. Go over that one a little bit. Big bottom is a distillery out of Oregon. They're, they're really cool in the fact that, you know, they're like many distilleries, they're distilling their own spirit currently. But in the past, they've sourced their spirit um, from other distilleries, but they took it a step further. Not only did they source it, they also then let it age for a few additional seasons inside of Oregon to really show, you know, the variation of that Pacific Northwest climate, how it has on the aging process. So they make some really great products. Um, that big bottom small batch, that single barrel was really quite delicious. And uh, I think we're all looking forward to seeing the, you know, the future products that come out of that distillery, especially using 100% of their own um, spirit. Come in contact with some of these distillers. So from strictly from traveling or, or people sending you stuff? You know, we, we do accept samples, um, but a majority of the small distilleries that we're able to review for the site comes a lot. You know, this is Jordan again. Thankfully, I'm able to travel a lot for my job takes me to all random places. And of course, wherever I go, I always look for a local distillery and uh, a local liquor store to see what they're carrying. And, and, you know, if there's something new I haven't seen that we haven't reviewed before, always try and pick up a bottle. Nice. Big Bottom's about to go crazy on the secondary market after this. <laughs> 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 and so uh, the last thing about your reviews I thought that was really interesting was your 100th review. You did a tribute to Bottled and Bond. So talk about that one real quick. 
So, you know, the hundredth review, you know, you, you try to do something special, that kind of thing. Um, you know, the idea of bottle and bond, obviously 100 proof. And, uh, you know, we kind of couldn't really think of what's a, you know, what's a really special single bourbon to, to do, you know, a review on. And, uh, you know, others, uh, in fact, uh, Sign D, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but, you know, kind of bourbon blogger friend uh, of ours did a, a uh, you know, kind of tribute to Bottled and Bonds for his 100th review and really thought that was a great idea. And in fact, said, you know, they, they, why not do that? You know, the, the, the concept basically is, you know, hey, you've got these outstanding bourbons that are oftentimes, you know, low, low cost, you know, bottom shelf pricing but not bottom shelf quality, you know, so to speak. And since we were, you know, we try to, you know, kind of cover the the realm of, of, you know, the high cost special releases that are hard to get, as well as, you know, those that are everyday bourbons that are, you know, lower cost and affordable and attainable and that kind of thing. You know, we were kind of also, you know, maybe due for doing a few of those. And, uh, you know, Bottle and Bonds, of course, are, are a lot of people's uh, favorites and, and daily drinkers you know, out there. So, you know, we figure why not dedicate to that? We do hopefully plan on, you know, hitting up the rest of the bottle and bonds or at least as many as of them as we can get uh, in the future here. But, um, you know, that was a fun little month, you know, to, to, to do that. They haven't held bottle and bonds, you know, six year. I know you guys are in Kentucky. Boy, that, that's a great, that's a great bourbon to have for 11 bucks right in your, right in your backyard. <laughs> oh, it yeah, is. Definitely. It is. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one more question about the reviews now, because you guys go really in depth in reviews. And this is one thing that I'm very, I'm not very good at doing is explaining, <laughs> explaining what yeah. I'm drinking. And you guys are able, you guys like self-taught in the way that you can say, you know, what you're smelling or what you're getting off it and how the taste lingers or anything like that. Or have you had some sort of like uh, training to, to be able to understand exactly like what you're tasting? No, you know, that's just, that's just us and, and our own taste palates um, and years and years of drinking a lot of different bourbons and a lot of different spirits and slowly just building up our palates that way. I mean, like most things in life, it's, you know, the more experience you get at something, the better you get at it. And right. thankfully for us, that means drinking more and more bourbon. Yeah, so professional drinkers, right? That's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's honestly it, at the end of the day, you know, as some people, you know, sometimes even we might, you know, maybe sound like experts, so to speak. But you know, I always like to say at the end of the day, we're just regular guys who drink a lot of bourbon. I mean, anybody can if they really, you know, if you're thinking about it. It may taste different things than us. You know, other people are going to taste things we don't taste. I mean, there's really no right or wrong answer. You know, you like what you like. Every palate is different. You know, that's sometimes those comments come in of, you know, how, how could you possibly, you know, have, have thought this was that good? Or how could you have possibly thought this was that bad? You know, and it's that idea that, well, it's fine if you disagree. You know, not everybody has to like the same things. You know, that in fact, it, it may taste very different to somebody, you know, than it does to, you know, to us, so to speak. So even those newer drinkers, I think, who are maybe starting to get a little more technical, but maybe get intimidated by, you know, those tasting notes and, you know, and, and our tasting notes or anybody's, you know, that has that, you know, by, by any stretch of means, it's anything but that, you know, it, it's a way to try to explain you know, some of those nuances that we pick up, you know, that somebody else may or may not pick up, they may pick up more, you know, but that idea that anybody, you know, at any level, you know, can experience bourbon, you know, for how they want to experience it, you know, and there's really no right or wrong, you know, there's no, this is good, this is bad, it's whatever you think it is, you know. <laughs> Absolutely.
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So we, we headed at it earlier and talking about the bourbon storage experiment. So give give the, the listeners an idea of, of, A, what this bourbon storage experiment was all about, and then some of the findings as well. So the the basic concept with the, the storage experiment was to, you know, take those, you know, the, those um, uh, qualitative things that you kind of hear of what people kind of notice in their bourbon over the years and generally how people talk about, you know, how they think it, it should be stored, the, the ideal conditions, things like that, and say, you know, let's let's put it to a test. Let's just see how some of this stuff turns out for our own fun, but why not document it for the site too, you know, since since we had that that outlet. And so the concept there was not necessarily to put bourbon through like real world storage and ideal, you know, situations, but more let's test the extremes of these situations to see maybe just how bad it might get. Uh, and so it, it laid out the concept of let's taste this thing over, you know, bourbon over a two year period, basically trying it at, you know, at six months, 12 months, 24 months, which is coming up in August. So we'll be uh, posting that those results soon. Gotta be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about drinking some of those bourbons after having the 12 months but uh so let's start you know, let's yeah. start from the beginning so what bourbon did you use so we used uh weller special reserve in fact pulled it all from the same 175 so going for consistency and then uh put that into two ounce uh containers and then what those containers were were a full container a uh a two-thirds and a one-third container so that then you take each of those containers and you put them into three different storage locations a refrigerator a dark closet and indirect sunlight and the concept there is then all right so now we're going to test one of those container groups at six months from each storage location we're going to test another container group at 12 months we're going to test another container group at 24 months and we're going to see how these different fill levels 
in different storage locations over different periods of time kind of affect the bourbon and see what just how bad it might get or maybe where the best you know the best bourbon might lie by a comparison so I'm gonna put my yeah. I'm gonna put my hypothesis in here real quick before we get to the cool. results, right? Cool. I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna go ahead and just guess that the best storage location is gonna be in a dark place, and the worst is gonna be in direct sunlight. But go ahead, that's just my just my guess. <laughs> well, so yeah, and it, exactly, you know, one of the surprises though, you know, doing that was was that the bourbon that was the one third fill in the in the dark closet, and actually the refrigerator too. Those one third fills actually tasted quite a bit better than the full fills by comparison at, at six months. So that concept of having the bourbon kind of open and breathing a little bit, you know, you always hear about that. Well, it, that was really pretty evident, you know, when we tasted them blind, you know, for that six month test. Comparing with the sunlight, it, you know, six months didn't really, you know, starting to get kind of bad, you know, definitely noticeable. 12 months, some of them were they were they were pretty darn hard to drink. I'll put it that way. I, I can't remember what the exact tasting note was, but certainly not things you want. Shitty. In bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was basically it. <laughs> so, what, what do you what do you most anticipated for for the twelve month or sorry for the twenty four month version then? You know, so one of the things that changed between six and twelve was that uh, the uh, you know the the one third fill started to to not be quite as good. So we're anticipating that at 24 months, we're going to find that, you know, the full fill, you know, the dark closet and possibly the refrigerator too, really, really pull ahead of those lower fills and the sunlight again, it's like, how can it get much worse? Well, it might, it might be able to get worse. You know, who knows also to, to know as this, this thing's kind of big and broad and it's, it's easier to look at probably on a screen with the <laughs> photos than talk about, but, um, we also tested a, uh, we used an amber bottle to test that in the sun to say, you know, it's kind of funny because bourbon, unlike, you know, like beer, for example, uh, they put in clear bottles because you want to see the color, for, you know, I, I assume for marketing purposes and so forth. But that doesn't really bode well. You know, the amber bottle, it turns out, really did protect that bourbon to some extent from the sunlight, you know, and, and, and in a real world, you know, we've seen liquor stores that have, you know, big windows and they have some of their best bourbons up, you know, on display in front of those windows. And you start to think, well, that thing's dusty. How long has that been there? You know, <laughs> is that really something I want to buy? You know, so it's that, yeah, you probably shouldn't have it in the sun. Yeah, it's best in a dark closet than that. But really that question of how bad does it really get? You know, we'll find out how bad it gets in uh, come up, coming up in August here. It's so interesting because I opened up uh, one of my Pappy 20s back in 2014. You know, it still tastes great. And then after the, the the antique collection hunt this year, I opened up a 2015 William Reller. And as soon as I drank it, I was so disappointed because, I mean, I really, I hated it because it tasted like a big bag of black licorice. And it's just <laughs> something that, like, I don't, I just didn't like, right? So I put it away and I came back to it, like, probably probably three months later and it was completely different and I love it now. And so I guess there is, there is some truth to, to what you say on the fill levels. Right. But I guess a, a question that I'll pose to you is that once you open a bottle of bourbon, how long do you think you have until you need to drink it all? You know, that's in fact, that that's a, that's a great question. And that's uh, that catapults into what is, is going to be the, the, the follow-up to the storage experiment, which would be a second storage experiment, which is in the works right now, and uh, will launch uh, probably around the time the first one ends. Uh, but the, 
you know, the basic idea there is, all right, let's, let's kind of filter out the, you know, the stuff we know you shouldn't do, you know, and let's maybe start looking at stuff that, that maybe you might really do in a real world and see how that goes. And I'm not going to give details of that yet because that, that's still to be launched. But, uh, you know, the idea there is to kind of zero in on that question a little bit, um, you know, as far as that goes. You've, I've always heard one third, you know, once you kind of get to one third, maybe it's time to kind of, you know, uh, get into a small Finish it off. Bring your friends over, send, send it to us, just shoot us an email, we'll send you your, our, our address, you can, you can forward it on. But, um, you know, it's that idea that it, it definitely does change, you know, at, at some points in that change, they, they might be for the positive, and, and at some points it might be for the negative. So, you know, if you do have those bottles, especially the, like the better bottles that are sitting there for a long time, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to kind of, you know, sit them every once in a while and maybe keep a, keep an eye or, or pour them once you know once in a while to, to see how they how they're doing because they they can get they can get worse exactly see fact- I'm terrible at that when I have a third left I'm like don't drink it whatsoever because I don't want to get rid of it because <laughs> I want to just hang on to it but I guess I should just drink it yeah I'll tell you we we had a uh, on this topic there was a uh, it was a bottle of Four Roses Private Select bar- Barrel Proof in fact if I remember correctly the highest uh, proof I've ever seen in a, in a, in a Four Roses uh, single barrel, but um, it was a, a bottle Eric had, and, and he gave me a sample, and this was many years ago, and it was in a, and I just had this this jar, you know, this pretty big jar, and, and he poured me like an ounce, and uh, I, I, I forgot about it, and, and probably like six months, nine months or so went by, so it was pretty much mostly air, and then a little bit of bourbon at the bottom, and uh, finally said, oh, I got that four rows to give that a shot. And keep in mind, this is high proof, which high proof is supposedly supposed to stand up a little bit better. Um, and uh, when I tell you this was bad, this is like, unlike the storage experiment, this is like sip it, you got to spit it out, you almost throw up kind of bad. <laughs> you know? So that was bourbon gone really bad. I've heard people say it, it, it can't go bad or it won't go bad. That was bad. That was <laughs> as bad as it gets. I believe you. I believe and it I goes bad. They'll attest to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I believe you. Yeah, I've always bad. heard if it doesn't get air, then it doesn't go bad. As long as you keep the bottom, the top on it. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't believe that because as soon as you, I mean, if you take the top off, right, you're still letting. Uh, there's more air in there that allows more alcohol to kind of dissipate or or whatever the technical term is for it. Yeah, that's the oxidation. You know, certainly your fill level oxidation, and the obviously the design right. of the you know that it, it you know they, they dry out you know the less bourbon there is in there the less moisture there may be in a cork you know one thing i noticed was you know keeping empty bottles you know for various reasons you know i had a bottle of 1792 that was empty you know lo and behold a few months later that cork you just pull that thing in and out of the bottle you know so no more moisture left inside the bottle didn't keep the cork wet enough to keep a nice seal you know so air is the enemy you know maybe it helps a little bit to some extent once you crack it open and like you said with the with the weller, but, uh, you know, outside of that, you don't really want, I don't think you really want too much air, you know, so you want to keep a nice tight seal on those bottles. So what we're going to start drinking, <laughs> yeah, start putting <laughs> exactly. them all to work, right? You guys should be drinking now, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> should be. So I guess that's a, that's kind of a good segue as we're talking about like good expensive bottles. Let's kind of talk about the release calendar, right? Because that's one of your other most popular articles that you have on your site. Yeah. Um, so I'm not even sure if the other guys, I've never really quite talked about this, you know, when I, you know, so I'm a graphic designer by trade and when we were, you know, building the site out and that sort of thing, I kind of had this idea to, to pull together this, this ongoing list of new releases because, you know, who doesn't like a list? 
So I'm a I, sucker for a list. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you so, put it on a list. I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> so years ago, when I was doing uh, like web design that sort of thing as a hobby, really when I was a teenager, I was doing a, a film website as a, a little side thing, not too unlike you know breaking bourbon here. And at the time, this was you know in the '90s there. There wasn't a lot of sites that were doing uh, release lists for movies. And I started kind of putting it together for movies. And really at the time, too, before all the superhero movies, you would only get a couple of years at the most. So and that kind of took off there a little bit. But then, you know, as you go to college and, you know, life starts happening, you know, I uh, the movie website kind of went under and I moved on and to other projects and that sort of thing. You know, so when we started doing this website, you know, I kind of brought that same idea back where it was the keep track of all the new releases that are coming out all the time. Um, there wasn't, you know, it was, it's tough to find that kind of information all in one place, you know, for every new release, at least with bourbon, you know, unlike maybe scotch and, you know, other spirits, there's a lot coming out, but there's, it's, it's a manageable number to kind of create a list. That's something I can do outside of my regular job. So I guess so, the first question I'm going to put towards you is yeah. how the hell do you get all this information? Oh, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just constantly keeping an eye out and ear out for this kind of stuff. You know, you're talking to liquor stores, you're talking to people who live in Kentucky, which, you know, they tend to get the information first, um, you know, and the releases first, um, you know, social media, all that stuff. You know, a lot of people, you know, especially nowadays with secondary, you know, people buy a bottle, it's up on the, you know, post it you know take a picture in the car it's up on the internet and then i get an idea all right that bottle is on the market so i can put it well i know that bottle is out this month and that's the other thing with you know with the release calendars and with bourbon is it isn't you know it comes out maybe in kentucky but you know say for most of the country it won't come out for another month or two you know especially even you know what we see in new york it, we're months behind um, so, you know, so it's unlike other media, like, you know, you know, albums, you know, movies, video games, any of that stuff, you know, that stuff all come, kind of comes out on the same release day throughout the country. Bourbon is a little different, you know, states can be months and months behind. So if there's anything that you're, you're looking at, maybe that's outside of the typical, like super mega fall release when all the good stuff really starts coming out. But I, I shouldn't say that there's good stuff that comes out all year, but I mean, I guess if, if there's, if, I'll, I'll pose this to each one of you, right. And you can each kind of throw your own favorite out there. So what's something that you're excited about that's not going to be during the regular fall release schedule. That's not B-Tack or Pappy. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're we're in a good little spot right now. There's some big players coming out in the next, you know, this month and next uh, that we don't generally see this kind of bubble like we're having, you know, coming up here. So, I mean, for me personally, it's uh, the Knob Creek uh, 2001, the 15 year. You know, I, Knob Creek's one of my personal favorites, especially the single barrel. And you know, I'm interested to see if this is going to even improve on that more. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see about that too. You know, that actually just hit here. Um, so you can get actually the Knob Creek 2001. Yeah. Now, everybody that's out there, I know there's somebody showed me a picture the other day. So there are over, there's three different batches and there's over 12,000 bottles in each batch. So it's not like you need to run out real quick and get it. I think there's going to be uh, plenty of them floating around, but it also comes with a high price point. I think almost $150 was retail around here for it. Yeah. And yeah. for myself, it's, it's going similar to what, what Eric said. So it's staying in the Jim Beam family. It's Booker's Rye. 
right? Another one, a lot of bottles, smaller release than knob for sure, but that price tag is, is really astronomical. That being said, still looking forward to seeing, you know, what an aged rye from Jim Beam with a slightly different mash bill tastes like. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I think I think you're not going to have any shortage of people that are going to be going ape shit over over that bottle, <laughs> even at yeah. three hundred dollars a pop. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, honestly, the the wild turkey masters keep uh, decades. You know, curious to see how that's going to taste. You know, the the previous few uh, wild turkey special releases have been have been interesting you know what's what's interesting about wild turkey is they put out you know such such phenomenal everyday bourbons and and then the wild release or the i'm sorry the special releases have been you know not necessarily you know are, is that the absolute best thing they have you know so i feel like they've been getting better and better and uh you know and they they really they have a you know a tried and true process and all that good stuff you know, so really excited to see kind of a higher proof on what might be maybe a kind of similar pr- flavor profile to uh, to last year's Masters Keep. Yeah, speaking of that, Gandolfo just t- talked to me yesterday, the other day about, and he's got some samples of that for us. So oh, I'm interested he? to see that as well. Yes. Uh, favorite guest so far. You guys need to catch up. <laughs> That's right. So I guess the one thing that I'm looking forward is because, you know, after Jim Rutledge left Four Roses, uh, there was this, you know, this huge hole, right? People were kind of like, like, who's going to take over? Like, this guy is an icon of the bourbon industry. And so this is kind of, you know, Brett Elliott's uh, first real kind of foray into releasing something that's special. So the Four Roses uh, single, because actually last year they, they put a halt on it. There was no 2015 release of the limited edition single barrel, but now they're bringing it back. So this is called the Elliott Select or whatever it is. So I'm excited to kind of see, you know, what's going to be coming out of Four Roses. But then again, I've never had a bad Four Roses. It just depends on the price <laughs> point, right? So with that, I think we're uh, we're reaching towards the the end of this here. Um, so if you guys uh, have anything other kind of closing remarks or anything you want to say, um, first off, get another plug to your website and how people can get a hold of you and your Twitter account and all that sort of stuff. So you can find us online at breakingbourbon.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We use the same handle for all three. That's at Breaking Bourbon. Additionally, be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter for exclusive content and to also visit Slate frequently to keep up with our daily release calendar updates and weekly posts. Awesome. So also, uh, if you guys like what you're hearing on Bourbon Pursuit, make sure you follow us as well, right? I mean, while you're while you're following them on Twitter, make sure you follow us uh, at Bourbon Pursuit. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well as iTunes. Uh, please also support us on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. Uh, just a final reminder, if you are supporting us in the month of May, we will be shipping out all the koozies and stickers uh, to all those people that pledge in May so you don't actually have to wait the full uh, three or four months. I forget what I put on there, but it's a, a good incentive for you to hurry up and uh, support us and we can start getting those orders for our koozies in. So, uh, Ryan, close us out. Yeah, and we need a more uh, $50 pa- Patreon <laughs> so that Kenny's, can, uh, Kenny's bourbon uh, collection can dwindle. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's two of them already. So if anybody that doesn't know that, so he's, even on Patreon, there's actually uh, there's a $50 pledge amount, and that means you get a sample of Pappy Van Winkle 15 year that we will ship to you. That's a cheap buy. I mean, hell, if you're in New York, that's probably $100 or more. So, yeah, I just appreciate you all coming on, guys. I, 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 the calendar is a go-to for me, and I'm like I said, if you're a sucker for lists, the site is where it's at because it, it's beautifully broken down, like all the reviews – by rating, by, you know, brands, it makes it really easy to kind of thumb your way through a lot of stuff if you haven't had it yet. So appreciate y'all the work you all do.
Well, hey, we appreciate that, guys. And and actually, didn't get a chance to say it yet, but you know, you guys are doing a fantastic job yourselves. You know, we've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, and uh, you know, just so just down to earth, great information. You know, on, on just about on every single one. You know, and so certainly, you know, excellent job. You know, looking forward to to hearing hearing more um, from from you guys and, and seeing seeing that continue. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep. So with that, we will see you all later. Yeah.